The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, y'all? This is the Royals Farm Report here on Kansas City Sports Network. I'm Joel Penfield. Alex is out this week. He's on a well-deserved vacation somewhere off the grid with his family. Uh, Josh Kaiser joining me as always. How you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing swell. I'm I'm not used to hearing uh, what's up, y'all. This is Royals Farm Report. I'm, very, <laughs> I'm used to you going, what's up, y'all? This is one royal way. So uh, already throwing me off my game. I don't know about all this. Throwing me a curveball right out of the gate. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Yeah, I had to hit you with an LO curveball when you were sitting dead red. For if we want to continue with the baseball analogies here, <laughs> showing confidence and pitching me from uh, yeah, reverse. <laughs> yeah, pitching you from behind. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're still going to do the normal minor league minute stuff. We, and this is going to be this, the same usual show that you're used to without the beautiful face and voice of Alex Duvall on this episode. But as always, the show brought to you by Kansas City Strength and Conditioning. We'll hear a quick word from them. From the beginning, we knew right away that we wanted to do strength conditioning and a throwing program for the baseball and softball community. It wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn. We knew we were really good at these coaching these skills from the get-go and the fact that we're in the same business and the employees are all on the same page you know we can write a program based off of what a kid needs not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense it's what does this kid need on the pitching end we can say hey this kid needs such and such he needs to do this or that better a lot of times it turns out it's not something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mound it actually needs to be fixed in the weight room Thank you once again to KCSE for sponsoring this show. Be sure to check them out if you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train. All right, Josh, so to talk about the big league club for a little bit to begin the show like we usually do, and this obviously ties into what we talk about here on this show, with the hiring of Alex Zumwalt and Mike Tozar, we knew that there would be some changes to hitting, and hopefully it was going to work out better, and the message was going to come across better to the hitters than what Terry Bradshaw was trying to get across. It obviously wasn't working, so they make the change. And it seemingly is working out the way we thought it would. Uh, we had we were big believers in what uh, Zumwalt and Tosar were going to be able to bring, and it's paying dividends to not just the young guys but the veterans as well. Absolutely, and I, I think you know we kind of talked about it at, at first that we thought it would make a bigger deal developmentally with the younger guys. We thought the vets were kind of stuck in their ways; they got their process, so it wasn't going to affect them. Not the case at all. There was plenty of improvement to be had with this uh, terrible lineup, and they did improve. So it's kind of cool to see that 
uh, not the young, not just the young guys were, were uh, benefiting from Zoom Walt and Tosar and uh, all, all the reassignments, but uh, also the veterans are, are coming back up. So it was very interesting. Uh, Blair Kirkhoff did an article the other day, kind of um, kind of focusing on Zoom Walt and his transition from the. I think they said he was had nine different positions within the organization in the past, and uh, now being you know in Kansas City, is he in uniform? Is just Tosar? In I uniform? believe I he. Remember. I believe he's in uniform. Okay. So yeah, I, I mean, I just think the they typical, both are. I think they both. They are. talked about like the day to day routine, but also like uh, fostering those relationships with all the players, not just the young guys that they're kind of used to used to working with. So, uh, really good article there, but it kind of just inspired a little bit of thought on how this last month has gone under Zoom Walt and Tosar outside of Bradshaw. Um, it was I, I kind of did did some more digging. Uh, kind of looked a little more on numbers before May sixteenth was when. Uh, when the reassignments kind of happening, the Bradshaw was fired. The Royals were 27th in WRC plus at 79. They had a 27th in OBP at 290 and 28th in ISO at 112. And since then, they have a 108 WRC plus, which is 14th. They're still 26th in OBP at 319, but they're 18th in ISO at 155. So uh, definitely some, you know, lineup lineup adjustments being made potentially but uh, also potentially some warm weather issues just kind of getting settled into the daily routine and grind so there's certainly some improvement it's certainly not uh, missed on the field whatsoever well certainly not and i know the on-base percentage still is a little gross but to but honestly like this is i think that's just an organizational thing that's gone and even when they're winning games in 13 14 15 they were a team that did not walk they just yep. they were going to be aggressive and they were going to hit the ball and they're finding ways to make qual- the quality of contact is getting better. That's where you're seeing the way to run create a plus come up. Everybody yep. is making significant jumps. Michael A. Taylor was around 80, 84. I think it was 84 prior to that uh, May 16th. I mean, now he's up to about what, 125, 130, somewhere in there? I got 94 prior to the change and 217 okay. since. Well, 217. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty damn good, and that's that also has had a COVID stint, COVID stint in there too. Yep, so, yep. Uh, obviously, he was able to work on some things during that time and figured some figured something out, and has turned himself into a really nice piece with the Royals and potentially a really nice trade piece come July thirty first, which was something I did not expect. Andrew Benintendi has continued to hit up in that trade value. Uh, Hunter Dozier had four hits the other night. Bobby's hitting the ball a lot better. MJ is doing incredible stuff uh, all around. But it's really nice to see the lineup coming together. Now it seems to mess with the pitching staff and the changes that need to be made there inevitably. And I think we're we're looking at a a little more of a bright future. I think I, I'm not. This season is what it is. But it, this coaching change is certainly giving me some room for optimism that the future is bright with the coaching staff in place on the hitting side right now. Yeah. And that kind of speaking of the pitching staff, Sam McDowell also with the KC Star had a really interesting article this last week. Um, talking about you know the lack of development, a lack of step forward in the in the you know young guys, um, especially when they come back, they get reassigned to Omaha, figure something out, and come back. They kind of you kind of broke it down from like their first outing. They have one run over nineteen two thirds of an inning. Their second outing, seven runs over eighteen and a third innings pitch, and then their third outing is thirty three runs over fifty two innings. Uh, it's a five seventy one ERA. He even threw uh, Lynch and Keller in there. They both had really stellar starts, and then um, they, they definitely came crashing back down to earth. But it just seems to come back to any significant time spent in Kansas City seems to – I mean, it is what it is. You get more tape, more information. People are certainly see your stuff more. It makes sense. But it, it does seem like there is something going on in the water in that clubhouse that is uh, not allowing the pitchers to make any kind of progression, which sucks. I, Yes, I mean, we, we all have our feelings on the common denominator here, I think, that we can all go back to, but we don't need to go down that rabbit hole right now. Right. But it's, we certainly have our confirmation biases when it comes to that particular tweet and that part of the article. It mm-hmm. just, so we, uh, we already kind of, it was something we already knew, so therefore we really want to believe it, but it's just confirmation of stuff we already knew, that yeah. the longer that they're around the, the pitching coach in Kansas City, the less effective they are. So, I mean, it's a pretty simple equation here, guys. So I'm not, I'm no expert here, but yeah. it seems like the, a, a change could help these guys maybe sustain the big league level. That said, John Heasley went out and I think it was his fourth start, seven shutty on Friday night. 
yeah. uh, against Baltimore. So or it looks like he's figured something out, but hopefully Lynch and some others uh, can figure something out here soon. But yep. uh, that is a massive, massive problem. Yeah. And that's an and understatement. It's, it's just interesting that, you know, they do the hitting thing. They, they fire the Terry Bradshaw. They bring in the guys that are still within the organization, comfortable, have been fostering relationships for the last two or three seasons, and they're having success in that. So it's very interesting that they're still sticking to their guns with Cal Eldred. I, again, I don't know if that's the the main issue here. The evidence kind of seems to point to that, and so does the bias that are that is on social media. But it, it's just interesting how they're so willing to part with Terry Bradshaw, but they're sticking right to their guns with Cal Eldred, even though arguably worse results coming from it. There are certainly reasons to it, and reasons I'm not going to get into on air. But <laughs> it to put it. You know, in general terms, I think they knew they had a surefire solution to the hitting side. If it didn't work out, Terry Bradshaw, they could go to midseason. Dane Johnson and what they're doing down in AAA seem like that could be an option. But then you're reshuffling the minor league coaching staff as well midseason. So there's some politics there and that can get kind of weird. So I, I think it was just a more surefire option to get the hit, make that hitting change midseason rather than the pitching even though the Especially pitching if, is a significant problem, but they yeah. knew they had an in-house option that they could yep. go to for hitting. And, I mean, Tosar, like we've talked about, not necessarily an in-house directly option, but they've had so much uh, uh, you know, interaction with him. They are very familiar with him. So, uh, yeah, it makes more sense that they kind of bring him in from the outside. You fill a position. It's not, not nearly as bad. I do need to make a correction to what I said earlier. The OBP is 319, but that's good for 16th. Okay. So, okay. That's a little bit a better. better. I, yeah. Relatively I a lot better. I think it was a uh, Randy, you know who I'm talking about. I'm not going to try yep. to butcher his last name, but Zuli. he said the end is nigh because the Royals are eighth in the American league in walks right now since uh, they made that change. So uh, when the Royals start monster. taking walks, uh, we know that, uh, that things are getting a little <laughs> weird out there in the streets. Uh, Hell's pretty damn cold at the moment. Yeah. No. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so that's a, uh, that's an interesting thing to follow though, because the yeah. quality of a bat, they have guys in the lineup. They put together pretty quality at bats and Carl Santana, MJ Melendez with the young guys is, is certainly doing that. Bobby is putting together better at bats. It's yep. still not where you want him to be, but he's getting to his he's getting to that nitro zone a little more now yeah. and hitting the i mean he's always hit the ball hard but now he's stringing together those hard contact uh batted balls more consistently Does he had that what 3 for 24 something like that and yeah. and then since then he's hitting like 588 since that yeah. streak ended they, which was the the Wednesday game against the Blue Jays i believe was that first multi-hit game Makes and then he sense. strung together think three of the next four games were multi-hits including three hits on Sunday. So yep. there, everyone's starting to round into form here and Hunter Dozier even had a five, a four hit game out of nowhere. So that's, I don't that's know. I mean, he's too. done that a couple times. I was looking at it today. Uh, he's carrying a 326 Babbitt, but his average 270. I'll take that every day of the week from him. I mean, that's, that is kind of giving us a little bit more justification for that extension he got. And I was, I was wondering why nobody was really talking about him as being a potential trade candidate. I was about to bring that up. I was about to, because Jared, Jared Perkins mentioned it to me yeah. on one Royal way last Thursday. And I, I didn't really think about it that hard uh, or not something I had, I had expected to be brought up because I, when the, the Royals sign a guy like that to a contract extension, they are very loyal to that contract. We're seeing yeah. it with what Merrifield sure. and others that makes me think they wouldn't. And yeah. I also don't yeah. know. And it also feels like a scenario similar to what Merrifield, at least at this point, do the Royals yeah. the Royals value him probably a hell of a lot more than other organizations? Where where are you going to play him? I know the yeah. D, the universal DH certainly helps, but is he an everyday DH type? I don't think so. But do you really want to stick him out in a corner outfield spot or a third base or first base, and you cross your fingers and you do the sign of the cross and pray that he's not going to dork something up out there? Like <laughs> the Royals are willing to do that, but I don't know if another team is. There's certainly, I mean, I think his metrics kind of suggest he's better at first base than he is in the corner and the uh, and third base. So it's interesting that people can be okay with bad defense as long as they're producing at the plate, which right now he is for the most part. He's not hitting for a lot of power, uh, especially not one you want from a quarter infield spot. But I think it's still serviceable. Uh, I looked at his contract. He's still got 
you know, what, 2 million left this year. And then next year, 7.25 year after that is nine. And then there's a million dollar buyout on top of that. So, I mean, you're talking about another $20 million over the last, over the next through two and a half seasons. Um, so I, I, that, that contract is a little bit tougher to unload, I think at that point, but I mean, it's just something that you could potentially look at come the trade deadline. He's still owed quite a bit of money, especially relative to the rest of that contract. So uh, he's going to start getting more expensive and he's one of those guys that, I mean, I, I will always root for Hunter Dozier. Same. Um, considering the guys that are coming up and where the Royals seem to be wanting to play them, there's a lot of overlap with where Hunter Dozier plays as well. So he is kind of contributing to that logjam that is keeping Vinny Pasquantino down, that is keeping Nick Prado down, that's keeping uh, MJ Melendez, I mean, it, Kyle Isbell uh, from getting every day at bats. So, uh, you can afford to trade him. Uh, if you're in the front office, you might want to, but it, it's it's going to be tough, I think, even when he is producing like he is. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they play that the rest of the year because, I, I love, like I said, I, I will always root for Hunter Dozier, but it still certainly feels like that 2019 season was a bit of an anomaly. He's turned that around a little bit this year, yeah. but this is really the first time since 2019 we've seen any sort of consistent production from him. So, who knows and, if it might, sustains? And who knows if it sustains? If it does, yeah. then great. If not, then you just it is what it is with, with Hunter Dozier at this point. It seems like it's very, very relative to the, his health. Uh, every time you hear you hear about him struggling, you also hear about some kind of tweak or some kind of sprain that he's not really talking about. Um, so that's, yeah, it's all relative to that with him. Yeah, absolutely. So you'll, you'll hear more about this later this week on One Royal Way. We'll recap the week, and they're on a West Coast swing right now. So that's uh, that, we got a, a lot of late nights to watch the Royals. But if you're taking looking to take your crew out to the K this summer, be sure to check out our friends at Tickets for Less. Ticket for, ticketsforless.com has the best selection of tickets to all of your favorite sporting events, concerts, and shows, including the Royals. Tickets for Less never, changes, never charges per ticket fees. So – you are saving big time over the side over other third-party sites out there. You can save even more when you use our exclusive partner code at checkout. Simply enter KCSN22 when ordering your seats at Tickets for Less. That is uh, code KCSN22. And we're going to take a short break, and we will be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome back, guys. We are going to get into the minor league minute for this week to talk about the minor league guys. And that is always brought to you by Drum Farm City uh, Center for Kids down in uh, Lee Summit Foster Care Center. Uh, they do great work in the, the community. Uh, and I'm gonna, I'll let Alex do the full read, but just know that they're they're helping us out with the minor league minute this uh, this year. And be sure to go check them out every Saturday uh, in the morning uh, over at their ad drum farm. They have like a little farmer's market. We can get fresh produce. They have apparently amazing cinnamon rolls. And that yeah. piques my, my interest. There's a little petting zoo for little kids. And we might need to do a little uh, Royals Farm Report, a family meetup one of these Saturdays. Yeah, buddy. And, and go hang out. But uh, be sure to go and support Drum Farm. They do a ton of great work uh, there in Lee Summit, down on Lee Summit Road. 
So we're going to break up the uh, doing the minor league minute. I'm going to take the Columbia and Northwest Arkansas reads, and Josh is going to do Quad Cities in Omaha. So getting into what we saw in Columbia, they're obviously really struggling this year. They're 16 and 41. They only take two out of six against the Augusta Green Jackets. All both or all three of Mazzucato, Panzini, Kuderna all pitched. Mazzucato and Panzini were okay. They both really struggled with command. The stuff is still really good. Panzini's stuff is ridiculous, but just mm-hmm. couldn't was a little was missing a lot uh, with his fastball and kind of yanking a slider a little bit. But once he gets that, I mean, he's going to be just fine. The stuff still is really good and was getting some ugly swings. Mazzucato's still walking a lot of batters, which is concerning for a guy that coming in had really great command and pitchability. That's not something you want to see. Uh, and that Ben Kuderna was great once again. Uh, he has been awesome. ERA still sub one. He got tagged with the loss, gave up uh, two runs, two or three runs, but he has still looked the part 100%. Uh, has been the best of the three by far uh, to this point. Is the ability for him to throw the changeup the way he has is amazing, uh, considering it really wasn't a pitch that he that we really featured in high school. And it's now probably his second best offering as he's still working on his slider and he's run his fastball up into the mid to upper nineties. So that's, that's really nice for his development. Carter Jensen hit a walk off on Sunday. He doesn't hit cheapies. That, that's for sure. Uh, with the, and he hit, and he hit a home run. Uh, I think it was on Saturday. So he's, he's hitting the ball. Well, the OPS and like the underlying number, like the, just, you know, the box score numbers don't look great, but he's still putting together pretty quality at bats for a lineup that really struggles. Eric Payne is, <laughs> he had a home run on Tuesday, which is awesome. But have you seen how many times he struck out, Josh? I'm going to look that up. I was just wondering about that. Uh, he has struck out 71 times in 43 games. Woo-wee. Uh, so that pick is not going to win me the fantasy league, at least no. how it sits right now. Um, like I said, 16 and 41 on the year. this week, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and then there was a brawl on Saturday. Like, not like one of your standard hold-me-back guy brawls that you you know where the bench is clear and it's just a bunch of John and, and fake toughness. No, there were dudes throwing punches, including yeah. one coward on Augusta that came out of nowhere, sucker-punched a guy, friendly fired his teammate, and then ran away. <laughs> like that, it was a proper scrap. It, it proper was a, scrap. It was a proper Donnybrook, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> good, old, good old Tilly, pal. That's, that's what you want. I've been watching <laughs> a lot of hockey recently. So. Uh-huh. Plus um, Shorzy. Yeah. Uh, plus Shorzy's great show. Great show. <laughs> but I, I wish I had more context to what happened here because it, yeah. it looked like from the video that we saw, it looked like whoever was pitching that day, I, I wish I knew off the top of my head who it was, but kind of threw inside, just missed. I think it was a four-pitch walk, and the batter kind of gestured to like, hey, get it over the plate. Something kind of chirped at him, and then all hell broke loose. Hmm. But I think that's also – some of this is also just a culmination of a rough season for Columbia. So I'm sure there was a lot of pent-up frustration that led to some of this escalating the way it did. I'm not trying to blame anybody on the Columbia side for it, but certainly it's a little bit of a microcosm of what they've been going through this year. It looked like the pitcher was very interested in scrapping. Uh, yes. It was some John going back and forth, and he was the one kind of pursued him down the line a little bit. So if anybody's responsible for it really dusting up, it's probably the Columbia pitcher. But the 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 cheap shot was just cowardly. Coward. Just the worst. Like, I, I am all for getting after it, and I, I want some benches clearing. I love some punches being thrown. But give me some good – Give me some good contact. None of this sucker come up from behind, pop, and then try to fade back in the background. That's some cowardly stuff. Get out of here with that. What's even funny about that is that you see the clip. He hits his buddy, runs away, and his teammate turns around like, what are you doing? Where are you going? (laughs) If you're going to be about that action, be about that action. Yeah, 100%. Yep. I just Um, saw there's a report now saying that the Major League is uh, starting to consider pinning the fines and stuff on the parent team. So the Royals would be in the, in, in this hypothetical situation that they would be the ones being fined for a scrap like that. So, which is fine. I mean, they're the ones that have the money to do it. So yeah, the players gonna, don't. If you're trying to discourage this stuff from happening, I don't like that. But if you're going to find some money, find the people with the money. I'm fine with that. Yeah, absolutely. These dudes don't have enough money to be able to take Hell a no. 
30,000, like or whatever, like in the big leagues, like you fight, like it's like 50 K almost off the rip. Like 100%. these dudes aren't making half that like they're, they're not making half that. So and it's Columbia, like, and it's Columbia, there's, not like yeah. a, there's not a vet on a rehab assignment buying exactly. everybody dinner type of thing. It's those dudes are international signees or prep arms. Exactly. Seemingly. So they, they don't have that. They don't have that money to run around with. All right, let's head to Quad on. Cities. What you got? Let's go to Quad Cities. Uh, very much the same as far as the struggles uh, and very much the same with the uh, record. Went two and four against Peoria this week. Had some solid pitching uh, you know, showings. Uh, the big one is Noah Cameron, our guy. Uh, had another great start. Went five innings pitch. Was no earned. Nine Ks. Only allowed five base runners. Uh, since joining Quad Cities, he had four starts. Only 18 innings pitch. But his K percent is a 45.2% K rate, and his walk percent is 5.5. I mean, that's just absolute, utter domination. I love to see Noah Cameron out there shoving only six earned runs over that time, so still a 3.0 ERA, but I do love to see uh, Noah Cameron kind of get off. And that between him and Drew Parrish, uh, I think Alex lovingly called them pie throwers, those lefty pie throwers. Uh, both of them are doing relatively well in their respective years so far, but I do wonder about their prospect status. Um, they don't have that overwhelming fastball that can kind of you know get you out of places or at least increase the margin for error. Those dudes are going to be running a thin margin of error, a thin razor thin line uh, between you know getting just absolutely shellacked and uh, being a serviceable MLB player. So. All out there, it's very similar to what Chris Bubich is doing. Bubich has a little bit better fastball than both of them. His curveball is a little bit better as well. At least it was graded uh, coming into the year. So uh, that would be the pathway that you would kind of see them. And, and if you're like putting them shoulder to shoulder, that's probably the most uh, accurate comp that you could probably see between them. So there is an outlet to get to the major leagues for Drew Parrish and Noah Cameron, but it's just going to be tough to be able to. Uh, to toe that line i think at that point the the prospect status of those guys like i have an affinity for dudes like that like because that mm. was me playing now to a much 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 lower degree but i was a soft <laughs> toss and pie throwing lefty yeah. that relied on location pitchability and a good secondary these dudes yep. have all that yep but soft toss and lefties aren't sexy like no. you want a clayton kershaw you want a mckenzie gore you want a Raul chapman dude that's blowing ched you know from the left side you can get away with more as a soft tossing lefty, but are you really looked at as a much of a prospect? Not always. So yeah. that's kind of, that's just the thing. Like it's not a sexy thing to scout of, yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, this works really well at double eight. Will it work in majors? I don't know. Maybe. Right. And it, it's one of those like great if it does. And that's why the Royals stack these types of guys, because eventually one of them is going to work because there is a place yeah. for that at the big league level. But what kind of prospect are they? I don't know. And I mean that we've talked about that left-handed loogie thrower is giving the other team another thing to look at, a completely exactly. different thing than than you're seeing from like Will Klein or the Dylan Coleman or Josh Stamans. Uh So I think there is an absolute place for those guys. I just want to see them work out. It seems like both of them challenge guys. They 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 do have a solid approach for what they have to throw at throw at batters. Um, so I'm curious to see how they kind of keep graduating and developing and, and see where they are at the at the end of the uh, journey there. Um, so going over to the batting side, we got an MVP in Quad Cities. Our MVP of the week, Diego Hernandez, uh, slash 444, 474, 833. Uh, he was 8 for 18 with four extra base hits, including a triple and a home run and a stolen base. So Diego Hernandez, again, Alex kind of talked about this in, on Twitter, uh, posted some of the videos. We aren't sure how much power he has, so his prospect status or his prospect value is kind of still up in the air. Um, you got to be able to do a lot of things really good if you're going to not hit the ball very hard. So um, I, I'm kind of curious to see what happens with Diego Hernandez, but he had a hell of a week. He's our MVP of the week. That dude is a ton of fun. Uh, he plays a fun brand of baseball, and there's yep. something to be said for that. And he does – I love it. And he – at least right now, he's not trying to do something he's not. Like he's not trying to sell out for power. It's just kind of coming, and it's coming in extra base hits and – turning that single into a double and, and yep. things like that. Like he's, he does all the little things well uh, yep. for, and for NBA, what, 21 years old, high A, like That's right. yep. he's, he's playing really well. And yeah, well-deserved being our MVP this week. Got anything else on quad cities? Uh, they just had uh, like four or five different guys, uh, Tyler Gentry, McCullough, Peyton Wilson, 
Bates and Shrum all had OPSs over 800. Uh, so, you know, some some solid performances, but it's still just translated into a two and four week. So uh, it is what it is. Also, if if you guys are listening to us and you're in the Quad City areas, I'm going to be in Quad Cities in Davenport, Iowa on Friday night to watch the, the River Bandits. So I'm pumped to go see them. Uh, and then I'll get to go see the Storm Chasers in Des Moines taking on the Cubs um, on Saturday. I'm sorry. I'm going to be in. Yeah, Friday, Friday in Davenport, and then uh, and then Des Moines on Saturday. So if you if you're listening to us, you want to come say hi, give me a shout out. There we go. That's awesome. Let's head down to the Texas League in Northwest Arkansas. Took four out of six from the Tulsa Drillers down there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The Texas League pitcher of the week was Anthony Veneziano through a complete game shutout. Uh, seven and it was only seven innings because it was a doubleheader but it was one of the best performances in the Texas league that week, five strikeouts and only one walk, which is really big for him. The walkouts, the walks were horrendous early in the year for him. Uh, But he's certainly gotten that down and he's doing it. uh, He's starting to get the strikeouts back to where he was last year with a lot less velocity. He was up to a hundred in quad cities last year. He's only worked 90 to 93 this year. So that does worry me a little bit, not from a, like prospect perspective, but just like an injury perspective, like what's he dealing with here to have that significant of a drop in velocity as a starter is a little concerning, but I'm not trying to not trying to speculate on anything. It's just a little, just strikes me as a little bit odd. Alec Marsh had a very Robbie Ray like start. (laughs) Uh, If you're, if you're a fan of baseball, you know what I mean? Uh, He went four and two thirds, gave up 10 hits, eight runs and still had seven strikeouts and no walks. So that's just certainly a factor of being too much in the zone, but very, very odd. He's Alec Marsh either gets absolutely lit up or they can't touch him. And there's not much in between there. And this certainly well, when, he, when he gets, he, when he gets lit up, he walks the world. He gives like five yeah. to eight walks up. And I mean, it's very clear on his stat line that he was living in that zone. He was just trying to challenge dudes. And I, I mean, I like it. I wish he had better results, but uh, yeah, it's a very interesting line. Will Klein is back. Yeah, four, is. four innings this week out of relief. One walk, seven punchies. So and fastball running up to ninety nine. I think he probably. I'm sure there was some triple digits in there. The gun is like <laughs> minus two or three in Omaha or in a uh, in Tulsa at times. So I know that from my my scouting background that there were times where I saw Dustin Mason ninety three. No, 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 that was ninety seven. No, no. Got yeah. it. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure the gun was a little cold. I'm sure he hit it, hit some triple digits in there. But good to see him back, not walking the world, kind of back in a more comfortable spot for him in the bullpen. I'm I like the idea of starting him. I was perfectly cool with it. Very clear that it did not work early on. They still mm. can you still can try it again, but. Seems like he's very comfortable coming out of the bullpen, blowing cheese and, and punching dudes ticket. And he's pitching multi innings. Both those appearances this mm-hmm. week were two innings each. So uh, you, there's some, I mean, the Josh Hader player model type of thing there. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm interested in that. And this is probably one of the most surprising things that I saw when looking back through the box scores and through highlights. Michael Garcia hit a home run. What? He no. hit his first, first one of the year. <laughs> Congrats I saw to that Michael I went, Garcia. I went, Michael Garcia? Wait. M Garcia, huh? Who is that? Oh, yeah. But he, he had player. a good week as well. He's still hitting right around 295, OPS still over 800. So he continues to very, very quietly do his thing now. We talked about him a lot earlier in the year, but he's just still continued to rake, continue to produce. Rough week for our guy, Michael Massey, but your guy, John Rave, had a really Ooh. nice week over his last seven, slash 313, 421, 813, couple homers, uh, five only five strikeouts, three walks. So good, good week for him. Suley hit a homer, I believe, which I yep. believe it was a slider that he dove out, got and hit it to left center because that's just what Suley does. <laughs> and you're still playing 500 ball. They're they're hanging around, and hopefully uh, they have an opportunity to make a playoff run uh, in the second half. Four and two this week, so they're the only team in the organization that didn't go two and four. So we'll go right to Omaha, who also went two and four against Lehigh Valley. Uh, a couple pitching performances of note: Austin Cox, really good start. Five and a third, one earned, six hits, no walks, and only one strikeout. So definitely pitching to contact, but it certainly helped out there. Um, we had some okay starts from Jackson Kowar and Carlos Hernandez. Kowar went five and a third, three earned, nine hits, two walks, and six Ks. Uh, I, when I, I watched that start, it didn't seem like he was pitching better than that stat line shows. 
there was some weak contact that was, you know, falling and falling in and uh, kind of took him, took him out. And then one bad mistake pitch kind of uh, took his night away from him. But uh, Carlos Hernandez, five innings, three earned, four hits, two walks and two strikeouts. He must be trying to figure out things, uh, something else. Um, it's kind of the same thing we saw from Coar before he kind of rebounded. He wasn't really striking dudes out, uh, still lasting plenty into the game, but just not doesn't seem like he's fooling anybody. So hopefully he's working something out and kind of gets gets back to it there. And then Grinky had his rehab start yesterday, went five five innings, no earned, one hit, zero walks, and four strikeouts. So even though Grinky is playing against lesser competition in the minors, he's still not striking dudes out, which is interesting. Well, that's just Zach Grinky, man. I I don't question Zach Grinky. I just sure. you can't question him at this point. Like he's he, they obviously weren't squaring him up. Only one hit. No, yeah, so. I think he was he was perfect through four too. Mm-hmm. So, so seems like he'll be back on the mend and get back in the big league rotation here soon. Um, do we do our our weekly gush about Vinny segment now? Well, we've got I got we got Vinny, but there's two other guys I want to hit. Nate Eaton. Got promoted 15 games in Omaha right now. He's slashing 348, 375, and 3652 this week before extra base hits. Uh, a one to one walk to strikeout ratio. Uh, since he came up, he's at a 906 OPS. So Nate Eaton's kind of not necessarily off the radar because we've, we've kind of been talking about him a little bit. Uh, but it is interesting to see his success so far. I don't think any of us saw a 906 coming from him. He's hitting for power. Uh, he's yeah. afraid. I mean, the, he has hit some. Absolute runs, right? moon bombs since he's gone yeah. to Omaha, including Absolutely. that walk-off job. Uh, was it, it was the game that Vinny hit a homer? Might have been yep. last week, but Vinny hit a homer, and then uh, Nate Eaton hit a homer. The only two hits they had all night. Yep, and they still won two two to one. Hey, that'll do. That'll do. But it's yeah. He's gonna, Nate Eaton's going to be a big leaguer. That would be fine. Yep, I think it's he's going to uh, be a big leaguer. He he was not someone I ever thought would be. He was a guy that I was always intrigued by coming out of VMI. Just super toolsy, utility type, just fit kind of that Royals mold. Hit the ball hard. Hit the, always had a nice quality of contact. Didn't strike out a lot. Mm-hmm. Felt like a dude that maybe can make his way up. Was pretty good last year in high A. I think he played a little bit in double A, but I can't quite you remember. Got a t- you got a taste, yeah. Got a taste. Has killed it in double A. Now he's killing it in Omaha. I think we could see Nate Eaton in the big leagues by next year. I think they that might put him on. He feels like the type of dude that they could stash on the 40, put him in Omaha. First opportunity, he's up. Yeah. And, I mean, there's not a whole lot of depth at third base, so that's certainly something that he he could be uh, find his way in there. The other guy, uh, probably on the short list of any kind of call-ups at middle, middle infielders, Yvonne Castillo. Uh, we kind of talked about him preseason, kind of a, a bat-to-ball guy, a lot of contact, not much power, decent in the field. Uh, this week, you know, the last two weeks, he's really been kind of showing that good contact with 275 average on base of 356, plays a solid shortstop, like we said. So uh, it could be on the short list for any kind of you know injury or any kind of needed uh, guy. He could be a body. Uh, I think he would I think he would have to be added to the 40 man. I think he would. I think he was just a minor league only deal. Yep. So uh, it's that could be kind of something to get in the way. But uh, he had a, he had a solid couple weeks here. But, yeah, let's get to the guy, Vinny Pasquantino. Another huge week from him, 1073 OPS from him. He went six for 20 with a double, two ding-dongs, and five walks to two strikeouts. Um, I kind of wanted to see – we've been anticipating it. The fan base has been anticipating it. At some point, he's going to get the call. Obviously, it's not now. We thought – you know, there's some speculation that with his being pulled in yesterday's game before the game was over that it was time, and it was clearly not the time. There's been some guesses at the date – it's kind of turned into a uh, uh, <laughs> like a baby shower pool <laughs> when you're guessing <laughs> the date and the weight and stuff. So we're going to guess the date, and then we're going to guess what he weighs. At that, No, we're not going to do that. But I did want to do like an over and over, um, over under with you here. So a lot of people okay. are saying the 624 game against the A's. It's the first one at home where uh, after that West Coast trip and people kind of speculate that that could be potentially it. Uh, put him around like 516 plate appearances. So it's got that five to 550 uh, sample size that the Royals are wanting from the upper levels. So you want over under on 624. Can I push? Okay. Yep. It's going to put a damper on these other two options. I'm going to give you those. <laughs> because I, because I, I just want to be led to believe that he's going to get called up at some point. And yeah. 
I'm going to keep pushing for it that I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. I understand that, you know, people are like, oh, well, you know, they're trying to get all the most out of Carl Santana. What else can you get out of him at this point? Ryan O'Hearn hasn't played. I, I, I kind of forgot he existed, which yeah. if you're watching on YouTube, you can kind of see the shrug of how I feel about that, <laughs> um, of not seeing him in the lineup every day. But I think it just at a certain point, they're going to have to make that move. He's going yeah. to force their hand. And it would not shock me if they want to give him a home debut. We talked about it when the Astros right. series came around, when he was hot, like he would have come into Kansas city on fire, but that obviously didn't happen, but it feels like the Royals would want to get a guy like that, a home debut, considering the way the fan base feels about him right now, the, the way yes. the, the fan base now feels about how we felt about Vinny since 2020. So that sort of validates all you know, what we do and how we feel, but, I, I think it's going to happen very soon, especially yeah. if he he stacks a really nice week on here. Uh, like I mean, did. that's all he's been doing for the last month is stacking weeks. Well, seemingly. considering he had a, he was in the middle of a one for seventeen last week, and he's still hitting like three fifty <laughs> yeah. something. Uh, I think I think he's still hitting like three twenty five over his last two weeks. Yeah, he just bookended him with monster four day stretches. <laughs> yeah. So the other two dates I had was the 4th of July, have a little fireworks. They're at the Astros for that, and that's around the time where he'd be about 550 on his plate appearances. So that is an option as well. And the other one I got here is the 722. There's a little bit of a uh, like an all-star break, I think, is right before that. The first series mm-hmm. back is against the Rays at home on July 22nd. Kind of gives them a little bit of time to work out a trade. they got to clear up some of that uh, roster space between Benatendi or – uh, uh santana or uh, dozier at that point would also help out with that so uh it's kind of like a six game homestand after the date the, the, the um after the all-star break that could be a potential as well so kind of see how that goes the other the other little small note that i'm throwing in here on top of this is we're talking about carlos santana's trade value and i was kind of interested he has gotten a lot hotter this last month um i did let me see yeah, he was a 65 WRC plus prior to Bradshaw being fired, and now he's at a 98 on this last month. I think as a whole, as a whole, he is an 81 WRC plus. So I was kind of thinking about like how much, what would he need to get to on the WRC plus to be dealable? I um, guess what, what was Jorge Soler before he got dealable? Because Jorge Soler was one of the worst hitters in baseball, had a 10 game right. heater, and then he got traded. Yeah. So and as a DH only, and he, yeah. I mean, Santana, he plays a serviceable first base, which is not nothing. It's still something yeah. way more than a, than a Jorge Soler automatic DH. The one that I kind of brought up was Anthony Rizzo. Um, he was at a, at the time he was dealt, he was only a 112 WRC plus. Obviously there's leadership there. He does play a pretty solid defense, I think. And he was only 31 at the time. So there was a little bit, um, a little bit hope that he doesn't necessarily fall off the cliff at any minute, kind of like there is with Carlos Santana. Yeah. But that's a potential, you know, 112 teams are going to be interested in Carlos Santana potentially. So he would have to have another month that he like that he had this year or this last month to be able to probably even have a shot at, at, at that point. But I, that's frankly that, that, not that, going to count on that happening. <laughs> sure. But that's, that's what is going to, that's where we're at. Like they're wanting to, to squeeze out all the trade value they can with Carlos Santana. And he's going to have to have an, another month of what he's had this last month and then possibly more in order to be dealable at the deadline. It's just it kind of always has to be mentioned, but this has been the Vinny Pasquantino stuff. I know you were the eternal optimist and you've been on the, you know, <laughs> trying to get Carl, make squeeze out everything in Carlos Santana. What do you think is more realistic and likely? A Carlos Santana DFA or the Royals actually get something for him? In a trade. <laughs> Honestly, the most likely to me is they don't deal him, they don't find a suitor for him, and he finishes the year out with the Royals. <laughs> that just seems like a thing that would happen for some reason. I, I don't really, I mean, that's yeah. just a gut. That's like a, I know you said I'm like the eternal optimist when it comes to Carlos Santana, but that might be the pessimistic side of me to coming out being like, that would just be the worst thing. I hate that you're right. Yeah. Any final thoughts on uh, the week that was the minor league side? I wish 
they would stop going two and four. That as a is collective. win ball games. Hashtag analytics. Yeah, but I am excited to get out there. And I've never been to a minor league baseball game, period. So these oh, are wow. my first really? round. Um, first round of minor league baseball, and I'm pumped to see it. That was what I grew up going to. I didn't. Yeah. I, I went to some, like living in lived in Washington State for for about six years. Went to a few Mariners games here and there. Went a lot, like in '99, 2000, 2001, when they yeah. were actually good. And yeah. Fun. Uh, but Tacoma Rainiers are right down the road. That AAA affiliate. That was yeah. One of my favorite minor league memories, as I saw King Felix's last start before he got called up in 05. That's awesome, man. My, my family and I, we had just moved from, interestingly enough, Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, out to Fort Lewis, Washington. And, and the stadium was packed on like a random like Wednesday night or something like that. Like we yeah. had just gotten there. And my dad's like, who is this kid? Like, why is everyone here? They're like, it's for him. And it was for King Felix. It was his last start. He got called That's up awesome. the next week. And then the rest was history for the King. The rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that, that was pretty, that was pretty cool. Um, and then live it in uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky for a couple of years went to the louisville bats triple a for the reds yeah had a field trip out there to a game when i was in first grade uh there was a benches clearing brawl in that one which is kind of dope <laughs> <laughs> play at the plate catcher gets plowed and both benches just go it was awesome huh. uh got to my little league team got to run out on the field uh for the national anthem for a game so i got to stand next to the first baseman i can't remember who it was but uh for the national anthem so those some cool hmm. minor league baseball is some of what makes america great like it yeah. is wacky logos and jerseys and people all kinds coming out for two dollar beers and a little bit of baseball yeah like, closest is- thing to minor league baseball i've ever gotten like in person is listening to the cheap seats by alabama and just being like man that sounds awesome oh yeah like, we like our beer as flat as can be like our dogs with mustard and relish me too i like both of those things yeah, it's it's what makes everything great, and we can't you know thank you guys enough for the support that you give us, so we continue to do this, and you guys actually listen to us ramble about baseball. <laughs> final thoughts before we get out of here. This is not Royals related, but what was we're gonna talk about? Final thoughts are baseball related, unlike last week, but this is non Royals related. What was the best thing you saw in baseball this week? Um, I mean, it is still kind of Royals related, but he's pitching for another team now. But Jorge Lopez coming to town. Uh, just kind of a reminder of how good of a season he's had. Um, and then Alec Lewis had the article posted, I think it was today or yesterday, about uh, you know his struggles with his you know his son oh, having yeah. the two different autoimmune diseases and kind of his struggles as paying for like transplants when he's just in like high ball and stuff like that. Just a really good story. I mean, I, I know he didn't have the most success in in um, when he was in Kansas City. And that probably left a sour taste in a lot of fans' mouth. But, I mean, everybody just seems to be glowing about Jorge Lopez. I, it's just good to see a dude having success uh, uh, after struggling so much. So, shout out Jorge Lopez. We will always have the near-perfect game. Just so close. The we, will all, we, we will always have that, if nothing else, Jorge Lopez. But that was an incredible story. I didn't know anything about that until that article yep. got posted. More of what makes baseball great. I've watched so much of the college world series stuff like the regionals and supers over the last yeah. couple of weeks. That is some of like peak baseball stuff where it is guys like obviously did there's an IL now and there are certain dudes making some money and all that good stuff mm. and as they should, but they play with such a fire and a passion and like they hit a home run and they're just running around the bases, losing their mind and they get to go, you know, they go to home plate and they have like a row, like Tennessee has like a robe that they wear. Virginia Tech has a hammer that they swing and like just little things like that are just it's what makes the game great mm. and to see the the fan these fan bases get into it and sell out for college baseball uh, like what you saw at East Carolina like 7,500 people there um, thousands just sitting out in the outfield watching the game or they have it on their TVs in the ta- you know, park tailgate in the parking lot I mean it it's just incredible and if you have the opportunity to go to Omaha do it Go to the College World Series. It is one of the best experiences you will ever have. Alex and I, on a whim, decided to go to the Vanderbilt-Arizona game last year. Uh, saw Kamar Rocker pitch. It was a the game went like 12 or 13 innings. Uh, but it, it was amazing. So if yeah. you have the opportunity to go, go do it. Because college baseball is amazing. And I know that it may turn fans off. Like the pace of the game isn't great. The, you know, the quality of play isn't always great. But the fire that these dudes play with and the passion with which they play is what makes the game great. As a as an SEC boy, uh, it's it's just you hate to see Tennessee go down. You just hate to see it. 
that was like I did not expect that at all. No, I don't think anybody but, did. Well, and what's so, like, huge? So I didn't watch a ton of Tennessee baseball this year, but yeah. I did watch a lot of Ben Joyce. Mm-hmm. I feel like we are like I we are being robbed of watching a dude throw 104 in Omaha. Yeah. And that but, makes I mean, me upset. That makes he's me upset. Not, he's eligible to come back, right? Or is he draft eligible? I think he's draft eligible. Ah, okay. Because he was a Juco kid. So yeah, he's a he's oh okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, being robbed of of watching him go in Omaha, that that is a little bit of a bummer. But I don't hate to see the kid that uh, was flipping off the outfield as he ran around the bases. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, you get a taste like the, some of that taste stuff. of that karma. A little bit, a little bit. But that's again what makes baseball right. Because Notre Dame went into the number one team in the country that no one thought. Everyone's like, it's Tennessee. They're gonna they're gonna run away with a national championship this year. Yeah. But God, I'm disgusted that I have to watch Oklahoma and Texas in the College World Series. I bet that that's tough. tough scene. That's a tough, tough scene. pill to swallow. 100%. Especially like women's College World Series. I had to watch Oklahoma and Texas in the national championship, and then I have to watch them in the College World Series. It's like, oh, yeah. God, it makes me sick. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else before we get out of here? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining for this episode. We'll talk to y'all next Miss week. You, Alex. Hope you survive your Survivor Man. Yeah, do, doing some Bear grill stuff out in bear the middle of nowhere. Yep. Yeah, drinking we'll his to- own pee out of some snakeskin. <laughs> and we're off the rails. We'll talk to you all next time. <laughs>